So I had a conversation with my clients and I had a conversation with my family and I had conversations with my friends because it's not to be taken lightly that you want to veer your successful business in a direction that could tank you. Do you ever feel like you're lost on social media? Like you're just another face in the crowd? Well, what if I told you that there was a platform just for the woodworking industry? It's called WoodNexus. Think of it as the LinkedIn for furniture company owners, or the Facebook for lumber suppliers, or the Instagram for woodworking tools. You get the idea. I'm actually on WoodNexus right now with this show, sharing episode information and answering questions about the topics I discuss with each guest. So if you're looking to connect with more people in the industry, or looking for new suppliers, or just interested in seeing what's out there, check out woodnexus.org. And while you're there, stop by the Building a Furniture Brand page and say, hey, I'll see you there. Hello and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with Patty Collins, owner of the company P-Cakes Productions. The humbleness that Patty talks about his career with should not overshadow what he has accomplished. Because with almost 30 years of custom projects under his belt and a TV resume of impressive shows that he's been a part of, he definitely has advice to share. Patty is also a great example of letting your actions speak for you. Because even with the TV credits and famous names in his phone, at the end of the day, he runs his business on his reputation first. And that reputation is what speaks the loudest. So follow along as we talk about switching professions, what TV teaches you about real life, being dependable, and much more. So let's start the episode and hear about Patty's story in his own words. Everyone that leaves higher education has an idea of where they're headed, right? And in my case, it was golf. Golf was going to be my thing. I wanted to be a golf pro ever since I was a young child. I've been playing the game since I was about nine years old. and. When that doesn't work out for you, you really have to have a plan B, and I didn't. So starting a general contracting slash woodworking company seems insane now because I didn't know exactly what I was doing. I had all the skills and the mindset and that sort of thing, but you never know how it's going to work out. So going from one career to the next is a scary proposition. And for now, I've been doing it 27 years. And I think every year, my business changes in a way that's for the betterment of what I do. Because I don't like to get boxed in, per se. (laughs) Speaking of cabinets, right? You don't want to be the chair guy. You don't want to be the table guy. You don't want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that is known for being reliable regardless of what the project is. You sold yourself a little short with the golf because it wasn't like you you just liked to play golf and that was a pie-in-the-sky dream of yours. You played professionally. Seven years I had a career in that, yeah. And so it was a legitimate business that you were getting into, being a professional golfer. But unfortunately, like a lot of things in life, situations change, physical or mental, or the job disappears, or... You just decide that you don't want to do it anymore. So when that happened and you needed to find a new career, you switched to building, which is on the outside much different from golf, although in truth, they are both 
rather frustrating professions. Mm -hmm. When you switched up from one career to the other, two careers that are so different from each other, what did you do to start building up your furniture skills, but also building up your clients so you could make a living from this new career? Well, (laughs) the joke has always been that I started my second career changing light bulbs for little old ladies and building two-story additions. So as a general contractor, it was feast or famine a lot, right? Especially as an independent guy who's trying to get his name out there. So it's a lot of friends and family. It's a lot of referral. It's a lot of, you know, it's so far gone of the days that you can just hang a shingle out, right? And be like, hey, here's the town guy. He's the guy that you need to go to. It's a lot of work to try to get something established, especially after all those years of being primarily focused on one career, and now I've got to start a second one. The idea was to just kind of ease into it as like a handyman, right? Because I was not going to be like the guy building subdivisions. You know, I wasn't interested in being that kind of general contractor. And, you know, it blossomed every time I tried another skill set to understand the business first, right? I know a lot of general contractors that don't use hammers, right? They're very smart and they're very successful, but they're not the ones that get dirty, right? In my mind, I needed to be that guy to be dirty. I needed to have hands-on. I needed to know how that works because that satisfies my left brain kind of being, right? So I need to see how it works. I need to see how it's broken. I need to see how to fix it in such a way that a person will pay you for it. (laughs) So starting out, you do hardwood floors and you do drywall and you do landscaping and you do all these things. You find out what you're good at. You find out what you like to do and you find out what you really shouldn't be doing. And so those kind of ideas just started to blossom every year where it's no longer friends and family. It's friends of friends or it's my sister's cousin's husband's friend or you know it starts to branch out from such a way that it's all referral now because what you've done for yourself is proven your worth and that's kind of how I got started that's how you got started and we're gonna get more into that journey later on but I think we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't also talk about let's call it an offshoot of the standard building trade path which is your involvement in TV. You started to work on TV shows, and so you were building up a name for yourself on real projects, real-life projects, but also on TV projects. Yeah. So let's talk about your involvement in different TV shows and your career in that, because I have to think that the equation of where you are today is what you did off TV plus what you did on TV equals what you're doing today. Yeah. So in 2010, one of my friends who's a fabricator, he's a custom woodworker, he was cast to be on a show. Now, at this point, I'd already been in business like 12 or 13 years. He got cast to be on an HGTV show. And, you know, I'm rooting for him because TV was something that I never really thought was viable for a guy like me. Okay. Because here I am 12 years into my career and I'm doing bath remodels and I'm doing, you know, kitchen remodels and I'm doing decks and additions and, you know, kind of keeping it small and never really ventured out beyond that comfort zone. So 
when he got hired to be on the TV show, we watched him shoot the pilot. We watched him, you know, all the success that comes with the incremental pace of television is that they got picked up for a season and then they went into full on shooting of their first season. And he called me like two weeks before the show was beginning to film that the carpenter they had hired just said, I ain't doing it. Right. So he called to say, Hey, do you know anybody? Cause of course I'm going to have a network of people that I can suggest. Right. And as I'm going through my mental Rolodex, I'm thinking to myself, well, this guy's really good, but he's not reliable. This guy's sketchy, but he has great skills doing the, And, you know, and I'm thinking all these things. And I said, well, why didn't you ask me? And he said, you don't need to be part of this because you already have a successful business. It's madness, right? And he's given me the straight dirt that if you're going to try to get into this business, you have to understand what's happening at this time. And it's long hours and it's blah, 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 blah. And of all the things that I did leading up to that point, to me, it was another leap of, hey, I'm going to learn something. So I talked to the producers and said, hey, I want you to tell me what exactly this job requires. And I'll be the judge of whether or not I should be able to do it. And talking with the producers and the hosts, they're all like, yeah, this is this is totally up your alley, blah, blah, blah. So I had a conversation with my clients and I had a conversation with my family and I had conversations with my friends because it's not to be taken lightly that you want to veer your successful business in a direction that could tank you. So part of the understanding was, is that if my clients okayed it, right, that gives me a little bit of freedom time-wise to fit these kind of things in. So all that happened. They hired me out. The host, after two episodes, is like, my God, dude, you are a gem because reality TV is not real, okay? So when you see HGTV programs or you see any kind of renovation shows, and we'll get into some of the ones that I've done, is that what you see is the finished product, but you never see what goes on behind the scenes to get to that finished product, right? And so, yeah, it was long hours and, you know, being away from home and constantly thinking about two or three projects in the future that we have to roll through because we're shooting 13 episodes, right? And then it got renewed. And so the opportunity came up. Do you want to do it again? Well, sure, I'll do it again. There are time frames inside of that time frame that I could still manage my business and do projects and special offs and, you know, whatever. But at some point, I had to fully plant my feet into the TV business because I love the energy of it, right? As a builder, as a maker, as a fabricator, the goal of TV is to push the people that are in it in a way that makes everybody look great. Now, that's not for everybody, right? Because the frenetic pace burns people out like crazy. So the lessons that I learned in that first four seasons of doing Elbow Room on HGTV I could apply to my business as well. They wanted from you the skills that you were using to build your successful business for their TV show, but you kind of flipped that and took the skills that you learned from the TV show, the quick timelines and the needing to make split-second decisions and applied it back to what you do in the real world so you could continue to be successful in your own business. Right. Because I can see the things that you can do that are the positive things. Right. 
no longer am I going to have to take two weeks to engineer or design out something. I, if I can do that in four days, right, that's a little bit more time bought in for my clients that I can offer as a, as a feature of what I do. Because, you know, when you're starting out, you don't want to do planning, right? You're just worried about the income as it comes in, right? Planning came a lot further down the road for me about how to plan projects correctly, how to manage your time in a way that you can get it done on a timely basis. You know, one of the things about GCing that most people understand is that supply and timelines are always disrupted because there's so many parts happening on a house build, let's say, right? Because you've got trades and you've got deliveries and you've got material drops and you've got all the things that try to make a thousand different whirling gigs come together as one finished product. And you as the GC are responsible for delivering on a time frame. And if you're not, you're the one that gets held for that, right? So as an independent guy, planning becomes much more important. So TV taught me a little bit about that. And then I made the conscious decision to say, this can be part of my career now because TV offered me something that my clients of 12 years never did. And that's the opportunity to be creative. TV opened doors for me in a way that now, you know, I'm not disparaging my clients. I have some long, I have clients that I still have from 20 years ago that will call me, you know, fairly regularly for either advice or, or some sort of job. But they wanted white tile. They wanted the basic. They wanted the the basic function of something, right? They never wanted, I want this to fly out of the ceiling or I want this to come out of the wall. And TV provides that because the, the finished product is all about wow. So every show that I've worked on in the past 13 years, there's a wow factor there that I take super pride in because now... I can offer that to my clients because if someone comes to me and says, oh, I just want the white cabinets, like, well, let me try and sell you on something a little bit different that's unique to what you're asking. You said something at the beginning of that, which really stood out to me. And that's when your friend came to you and said, I need somebody to be on this show. And you looked through your contacts and you said, this person's unreliable, this person's unreliable, this person's unreliable. And then you thought, why don't I do it? We spoke before the show off air and you were saying that your social media and your website isn't exactly where you want it to be, but yet you still have almost 30 years of doing this successfully and you're very busy. So your social media presence and your website presence isn't where you're getting your clients. You've built up this name for yourself that shows you're a reliable person to work with. And that's not an easy trait to have. So I have to ask, how are you doing that? Because there's a big problem in this industry with clients having people call them back or clients having people showing up to a job site on time. What's been your secret to not fall into that, to continue to be reliable for so long in this industry? I know there's lots of reasons to run a business. For me, making money was never at the top of it because as a general contractor, you learn very quickly, unless you're not the guy getting dirty, you're never going to make a million dollars doing this, right? But what I saw was is that 
the customers that I worked for that felt they not only got treated fairly, because there's a lot of wrong in this industry as well. You know, you'll hear the stories of guys taking money and running or whatever, but to have clients feel like they got a value out of what I provided for them is really the driving force for what I do. I'm not an idiot. I get it. Everyone, we have to make money. We have to survive. We have to keep the roof over our head. I have to put my daughter through college. You know, I understand all of that, but it's never the main focus when I talk with a client because I want them to feel like they got value and were treated like they're the only client in the world. That's the reliability because once that happens for somebody and it's a very positive experience, now I'm not saying all of my clients in 27 years were all positive, but when that happens, they're the ones that open up other avenues for you. You know, just being nice to somebody doesn't always work for you. But being nice to somebody and having them tell somebody else that you were nice and reliable and fair and all those things, that kind of marketing is invaluable because you can't buy that kind of thing. Obviously, you're familiar with Nate Berkus, right? He's one of the most premier designers in the country, Oprah's best friend or whatever. I did a show with him and his husband, Jeremiah. And after a week, he's like, you know, we come into these things and we never know what we're going to get, right? But you're a jewel (laughs) because... You're not typical, right? The typical carpenter is just like, yes, boss, yes, boss, yes, boss. But you're thoughtful and you don't subscribe to the chaos in a way that we're used to because I don't subscribe to how you get treated in that business. And I want these designers and these hosts and these other, the families that we're working for, once again, to feel like they got a value out of something. I want those people to know that I gave them my best. And simply put, I want the designers to know that. I want the production people to know that. I want the higher-ups to know all that. And how that ties back to my actual business is it's the same thing. I want people to know that when I am hired to do a job for you, it's going to be quality. It's going to be on time. I don't care if it's on television, right? It's the same thing. When furniture makers are starting out, they're doing projects for the first time. It's the first time they've built this piece, first time that they did that kind of joinery, first time they've done that type of finishing, etc. But as they grow, they get more comfortable with the idea of building things and they can understand what fits into their schedule and what doesn't and hopefully figure out exactly how long things are going to take so they can budget out their time. But you, you've been doing this coming up on 30 years, like we've said, but you're still trying to do things that are outside the box. And you're pushing clients to do things that are outside of their comfort zone, which in turn is outside of your comfort zone. Right. And you also like to have multiple projects going on at the same time. So there's a lot going on, not only in your head, but also in your shop. How are you keeping things on schedule? How are you keeping projects working together so every day you come in, you're not fighting against yourself mentally and physically for space in the shop Uh with everything that's going on? How do you think about these projects and how are you cohesively putting them together when you have so many things going on? So the main thing for me and... I, I am by myself, right? I operate a 2,500 square foot shop. I have a shop mate that does, he does the same kind of thing that I do, just on a smaller scale. 
and he's there for rent control, basically. And I adore him, and he's great. But the main thing that manages my shop is my 4 by 8 whiteboard because I have a calendar. I have people that have called for work, people that need to be called back for work, need people that need to be updated on their projects. But, you know, And then one other section of my thing is, where am I on any particular project at one time? Do I have materials? Do I have the design? Do I have the fabrication? Do I have this, that, or the other? And how I try to schedule all these things happening at the same time is a form of organized chaos, right? So one day will just be milling, right? I'm going to go to the lumber store. I'm going to grab all the things that I need for this project, this project, and this project. And then when I get back to the shop, all I'm doing is milling, right? Getting things down to the proper sizes. Then the next day, maybe, okay, I got to jump backwards and go to the paint booth to finish out these cabinets. Okay. That's all I'm going to do that day. And then Wednesday is a day where it's like, okay, I have an install in the afternoon. How much time can I spend on this project? Well, if I can only spend two hours on this one, maybe that's better suited on this one. Right. So there's a constant state of flux happening at the same time. But it's all being managed by the giant whiteboard on the wall because I refer to that thing all the time, right? Because details get lost a lot of times, especially if you're a guy that writes notes, right? In a dirty, dusty shop, you're going to be losing those notes everywhere and you're kind of constantly looking for them. Everything is command central right on the wall. And it has been a godsend for me because there are times where I will miss a phone call. I will miss an email or I will miss something and that client or that designer or whoever I'm working for at the time will call back and say, Hey, I'm looking for this. And you're like, Oh wait, it's right here on the wall. Right? So it's, it's a physical thing and it looms large because it's very prominent, but it's been effective for kind of the way I do it. Right? I know plenty of other people that have shop foreman that that's their job right, is to manage the shop on a day-to-day basis, right? They have uh, people that do their accounting or people that do their, you know, bidding or they do their, you know, customer callbacks or whatever. I wear all those hats and I do find myself apologizing sometimes because, you know, nobody's perfect, right? But I still try to maintain that client kind of treatment and, you know, it's never fun to apologize to a client that you've missed their email from three days ago, right? Or have a client say, I'm looking for those designs that you promised me last week, right? It's never fun to do that. But I will always tell them whether it's concise or whether it makes sense or not. It's just like, I I, I apologize that I missed that, but I juggle a lot of cats and I do that to myself. And I understand that I do that to myself. But I want you to know that your project or your question or your concern or whatever was never far from my mind because it's on that board, right? So it it, it 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 does sound like chaos, but I know a lot of people will understand what I'm talking about when I say that. Juggling a lot of cats, as you put it, seems to be the norm in this industry. And the better you get at that, the better you're going to be at running your business, at dealing with projects coming up and dealing with clients and dealing with deadlines and dealing with everything that makes up this industry. For people who are trying to get into this industry, if you can think back to 
when you first started. And for people who are in it now, they're in the thick of it and they want to run their business better. What's some advice that you could share with those people thinking back on your business and how you've been running it that really stand out for you and you feel like are important to share with people listening? You really need to know what your work ethic is for starting something like this, right? And hopefully that carries you through. And I get lots of phone calls, emails. You know, I'm a fairly public person, right? Through social media and whatnot. And of course, being seen on television. But I get calls all the time about people asking how to get started. And I wish I had the magic answer, like you said, is that there is no magic answer because really what you should do is find the little lady sitting in the dark that need their light bulbs changed, right? They need to find those people who are looking for the right fit of competency, craftsmanship, uh, you know, those kind of things that make people feel comfortable to spend their money. And that's going to be different for all of us, right? Because everyone has these intangibles that perhaps work in a business sense, but perhaps maybe not work in a business sense. But a client being comfortable spending money on a project or home improvement or whatever, that's important to me. So that's kind of where the focus should be. Not necessarily, hey, do I just grab a hammer from Home Depot and start whacking things? One of the other things that I liked about listening to your show is that all of your guests have a mantra, right? There is something that pushes you as an independent businessman, right? And it could be the cat poster on the wall, right? The hang in there, you know, kind of thing. But a lot of your guests have had that same kind of, this is how I feel about what I do, right? There was a young lady in Ohio that's like, I'm a mother and I'm a this and a that. And I'm like, and that is her driving force, right? I'm a woodworker. I'm a this and I can't be one without the other. That's a very powerful statement, right? So everyone having their own mantra that keeps them going and pushing in their direction. Mine is simply this. Do not mistake my confidence for arrogance and we will get along fine because I know I have the ability and I will be the first person to say, if a client comes to me and said, I need you to build the Eiffel Tower. Sorry, I can't do that, right? But if there's a chance that I could build the Eiffel Tower, I'm never going to say no to that, right? Because I love the challenge of all these things. And I use all of the things that I've learned in my 12 years as a GC and my 13 years as a fabricator to make myself better at what I do. And I'm also never going to be like, hey, everybody, look at me. I'm the best thing out there because I have some humility towards what that is because I know there are so many more talented people that do what they do, right? So if you're going to be asked, how do you be successful at it? It's like, be good at what you do. Don't be good at what other people do, but be good at what you do. And that is my other mantra that I will shout from the rooftops. Shout from the rooftops as much as you want, because good advice is hard to come by. And if you're willing to share it, we're all we're all willing to listen. So thank you for sharing your advice and thank you for sitting down with me and talking through the good and the bad and the hard times and the great times 
you've had in your career so far. And I'm looking forward to seeing where you go next with this and and wishing you continued success in doing what you love. Well, thanks, man. This has been great. I totally hope that someone out there feels like this is great advice, right? Or understanding that this business isn't exactly easy. But those that champion all of us in this business know that from the beginning. And we're back here supporting you all the way. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you liked what you heard and you got value out of it, please think about leaving a review and subscribing wherever you listen. To learn more about the series, please visit buildingafurniturebrand.com and feel free to reach out anytime with questions or guest suggestions to hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. You can find me at The Build with Ethan on Instagram. Hope you enjoyed the show and can't wait to bring you the next one.